0: today on building the open Metaverse. Indeed to make interoperability happen you need a, 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 like a decentralized database that is a blockchain that no single party can own to represent the ownership of the digital asset and you need open standard formats. Welcome to building the open Metaverse where technology experts discuss how the community is building the open Metaverse together
1: hosted by Patrick Cozy from cesium and Mark petit from Epic Games.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to our show, Building the Open Metaverse, the podcast where technologists share their insight on how the community is building the metaverse together. Hello, I'm Mark Petit from Epic Games, and my co-host is Patrick Cozy from Cesium.
1: Patrick, how are you today? Hey, Mark, everybody. I'm doing great. I'm joining live from Cape May, South Jersey. Oh, nice. A new place.
2: And today, Patrick, we're venturing into new territory. We've been actually you know, waiting to talk about Web three, crypto, NFTs, and personally, I don't know how you feel, but it's still I still have a lot to learn about these new concepts. So I very, very much look forward to the conversation today.
1: Yes, yes, I'm a novice as well.
2: Good, and our guest is an expert in the field. We're so lucky to have uh, somebody who is the forefront of the crypto gaming revolution. So please welcome Sebastian Bourget to the show. Sebastian, welcome.
0: Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Patrick. Glad to be here with you today.
2: So, Sebastian, you co-founded a mobile game studio in 2011 as the CEO with Arthur Madrid, and you released the first title, The Sandbox, in 2012. That was 10 years ago, so we're going to talk a lot about The Sandbox today. But before we talk about the game, please tell us in your own
0: words your journey to the metaverse. Yes, 10 years flew really uh, by really fast. Uh, we always had that intention, like, to use new technology and make it accessible to anyone, and through that uh, allow players to become creators like literally anyone could become a creator of a video game it started in 2011 uh by launching the sandbox back then on mobile on ionis and on android allowing people just to create like 2d pixel world just by the touch of their finger and share their creation to an online gallery where other uh, users so or the player could uh, discover, play, and engage with it. grew into a massive success. Uh, rapidly, we got uh, 40 million installs over time, 70 million uh, creation made by the community. Uh, but ultimately, we also see saw some challenges. One of them was the fact that uh, on the actual platform sandbox was available, we couldn't reward creators uh, for the content they brought to the game beyond just social recognition and featuring their uh, content. Content. There was no way for us to share any of the revenue that their contribution, the time they spent, the content they built led towards the overall game. Um, so that at some point we were losing our top creator and, and that became uh, a challenge towards the uh, 2007. Actually, we st- kept exploring as entrepreneurs into new technology. We found more about blockchain and Bitcoin in general. And we found the first uh, crypto game called uh, Crypto Kitties with NFTs. And that game was pretty simple, but had something unique the possibility for users to buy those virtual cats, not just only from the developer, but directly on any marketplace. And we found that was interesting and potentially could solve our issue if we just enable anyone to make their own NFTs and from there be able to sell their content, their creation as NFTs on the marketplace through monetizing their content fully and using it with our game maker. And that's when we typically started to work on a new version of Sandbox um, toward the beginning of 2018, this time as uh, a full platform on PC, first, Mac, after and in future mobile as well, um, 3D multiplayer and leveraging this technology underneath blockchain and NFT, so Anyone could make 3D assets, games, uh, and own them, transfer them to other users, monetize them the way they want. Today, the sandbox is being considered one of the leading decentralized metaverse with this idea of like uh, enabling anyone to own their content, owning their identities or digital uh, digital assets, their uh, currency, play with it. And we've been able to bring over three hundred major brands from entertainment, gaming, uh, movie, celebrities, music artists, etc., alongside like a thriving ecosystem of thousands of artists and a uh, hundred of studios uh, creating on the platform.
2: Well, this sounds quite, quite impressive and uh, quite a big momentum. And so, so it all started with the mobile game studio, right?
0: Exactly. Like that's. Uh, our background is in gaming, our art is in gaming, but definitely Sandbox is becoming much more than gaming today.
2: So c- can you speak to the Technology Foundation? Uh, you know, how does it differ from a regular uh, regular game? Um, what, what are the kind of stack that you've been using there?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, For us, like, the metaverse in general will always be a technological challenge. Like, what technology allows is really going to be the the limit to the imagination, the limit to the creative. So we're always exploring, like, how we can push forward those limits. So on one side, you have, like, the game engine uh, and the game maker of Sandbox that is built on top of Unity at the moment, which... Uh, like enables to create experiences, games, adventure story on a no-code approach. So literally anyone can be a creator within minutes because there's no uh, specific skills. It's just drag and drop. You push, uh, put assets, give them behaviors like an enemy, a platform, a door, uh, etc. And you can offer all kind of games already from there. But on top of that, there is also all the web free component of the sandbox platform that include like a dashboard a marketplace a map that are accessible on web and mobile and also all the blockchain component where to enable users to truly own their digital asset we had to deploy uh, something called smart contract over a blockchain that enables to uh, tokenize the content the 3d assets uh, on this blockchain and hence allow users who connect with a wallet. So in Web3, an account is actually a wallet, and that wallet can actually be used to connect across multiple decentralized applications. So you, as a user, own your data and your identity across those different applications, not only one of the application alone. And um, we, we've co-created one of the standard on the Ethereum blockchain called uh, ERC-1155 to facilitate a minting of uh, token at scale, having like thousands of game items with a fraction of the cost that we used to take before. And we're in the process of migrating to a Layer 2 blockchain, which is Polygon, which is more eco-friendly and efficient. Um, I don't know if I should deep dive into all the aspects, think of it like it wouldn't consume more energy than sending an email to actually interact with a blockchain like Polygon. And this is becoming one of the mainstream uh, within this gaming ecosystem.
1: So, Sebastian, what do you think about the the web as a platform, especially with WebAssembly becoming more mature and WebGPU becoming ready to go? Do you you think you'll ever deploy on the web?
0: We... we're definitely seeing the open managers as like this myriad of virtual world. Some of them are like VR-based, some of them are web-based. Sandbox chose to be like desktop-based because like the the quality of the 3Cs, like uh, the characters, the control, and the camera is much, is as of today still much better in terms of user experience with a native client on PC, Mac, or mobile than on web, like web ASM and web uh, GPU, uh, specifically with Unity Engine, are not fully supported yet. And we're seeing like performance maybe in the range of one third of what they could be. And that is not sufficient, we think. So... Users have to install the game client or the game maker to access the metaverse, which is a little bit more friction, but the possibilities behind in terms of gameplay, interaction, visual effect, immersion are much um, greater. And we believe that uh, it's more important at the moment to wow users with the possibilities that the metaverse is going to use because it's still too basic what can be achieved on the web page. But that might evolve, like technology uh, just five years ago, nobody would be thinking like being able to play high quality game or even casual game uh, in browsers. So definitely um, that will facilitate access to users if it's web native and renders at same speed and with same possibility multiplayer wise and gameplay wise than uh, native clients.
2: So Sebastian, you just used the, one of our favorite terms, which is open metaverse. So c- can you put some qualifier? What makes the sandbox open? What's your what's your definition of the open metaverse? Our
0: definition is really this idea that the metaverse is this going to be this myriad of virtual worlds where users can access through an avatar, a three D representation of themselves, and through that avatar they can access interact engage with more social more immersive more fun more creative experiences there is really this notion that unlike what we've seen before with certain virtual world like second life existed world warcraft existed minecraft roblox and so on the users are not actually locked into one single platform like their account their identity all the content they created all the experience they accumulated are actually uh, tokens on the blockchain that they can access through their wallet and transfer from one virtual world to another that means really like users uh, can be free to move from one application to another transfer their data from uh, between users or even sell them on marketplaces without having to ask the permission to from the platform where the content were originally created from. But that's even more than that, the open metaverse. It's also the idea that not only you can take your content outside, but you can use any content from outside into um, the platform. This is called interoperability, meaning like I said that were not necessarily designed from one game could be used into another game and gain extra utility and then potentially that extra value uh, thanks to that. Typically for avatars, it's one of the simplest and most natural use case. The avatar is your identity, it represents your character, and you can use, accumulate experience across multiple worlds, experiences, and multiple platform and uh, use it so you do not lose all the content you accumulated, all the experience you accumulated as you stop playing on one platform, etc. The value goes back to the users rather than being like a only by the platform. And it's even more true in the case of user-generated content, like people dedicate hours, time, days, sometimes years of their life to create amazing things with user-generated content. And we want to really unleash the creator economy and through the open metaverse enable it to thrive, create a whole new digital economy and millions of jobs that are not necessarily locked onto one single platform operator like Web2 uh, currently is. In Sandbox, being open goes indeed, like you create content in Sandbox, it can be used outside of Sandbox. You have content outside of Sandbox, it can be displayed, think of your art, etc., but you can also you take your avatar, maybe it's just a 2D image, like most NFTs are today, and they become 3D playable characters. So we give a new representation of that same NFT, that is a representation of your ownership of an asset, and that representation as you have a talk, can do so much more things. You can use it to like interact with other users, socialize, dance, express yourself. Then you can use a game maker, uh, no code software to start creating world experiences, places where the characters can interact. This is a great example.
1: So, Sebastian, look, we we love your passion around interoperability, and, and agree that's going to be a cornerstone of the open metaverse. And it comes up on pretty much every episode. So, I mean, it sounds like today the the sandbox game maker can can import and export. And you talked a little bit on the two D side. I am curious for three D assets. Are, are you using any open formats like USD or GLTF?
0: I think. Well, I am really glad that interoperability comes on every of uh, the episode. That means like people are really thinking into it, and if they are thinking, there is already like a desire to make it happen. So, indeed, to make interoperability happen, you need a. a, a like a decentralized database that is a blockchain that no single party can own to represent the ownership of the digital asset, and you need open standard formats. Like in 3D5, for example, you have Vox, you have OBG, you have GLTF, which are pretty much standard across um, the overall industry, and then can be used, imported, exported, and represented across multiple worlds. USD? So I, I, do I understand USD as like the currency, the US dollar, or?
2: No, it's that uh, Pixar file format uh, that is being heavily used to represent scenes. called Universal Scene Description. It's one of those uh, emerging standards.
0: Okay, so that one I want to. I need to explore more, indeed.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so you said people can load, import any content into Game Maker. Uh, so, what about the economics behind this interoperability? I mean, you know. You, you know, you say that the platform allow people to truly own and monetize their content. So if I make a game in the sandbox, you know, can I, or let's take an asset, but ultimately my creation is going to be an experience. It's going to be like a fully simulated interactive mini game. Actually, I played with your game maker and it's relatively easy to effectively to do those things. So, So how do I move that to another platform? Because for me, you know, my son happens to be on the sandbox, but my cousin is on Roblox. So how do I, you know, do you see a path both technically and economically that we could actually uh, move experiences and exchange experiences across across platforms when they are th- web 3D enabled, I understand, of course.
0: So what's the economics behind that? Yeah, let's, let, let's tackle the two uh, questions, maybe separately. What is the economics of like like adding more uh, utility and interoperability uh, to a digital asset. Like let's say you buy a sword in a game, you play for a couple of hours, sometimes more using that sword gives you certain benefit to the one game it was originally created from. But well, at some point, you there is no replayability. You're not going to come back and play again, or maybe you will lose interest for that sword and use another one, which you see the, the attributes are better. Well, right now, in most games, like, you cannot even sell that word. There's not even a single marketplace where you could do so uh, to other users. And, well, if there is, it's a web two centralized, so it's only controlled by the developer, and you have like a limited access to the distribution to which that asset can be bought and sold. In Web3, it could be sold on any market, not only the one from the developer, but also any, think of it, like the eBay, the Craigslist, and so on of the world focus on digital assets, which give access to more distribution uh, for uh, the content and can also become a user acquisition channel because somehow if a new user discovers a great looking sword with certain characteristics, he might be tempted to go and come and play into the game. There's already this possibility. The second aspect I think is also interesting is like, what if that sword actually could maybe you already consume in a way the utility into that first game, but older games could actually be offering extra utility to the holders of that sword by saying like, hey, you already start at a certain level of experience into my game or that sword turned into a car or another content into my experience. Again, it's a way to drive on the one side, acquiring targeted users based on like the NFT they own. And on the other side for the holders, to gain more utility for their digital asset and potentially more value because suddenly that digital asset is no longer constrained to one game or one environment, but could be used into multiple. In the real world, when I buy a fork, when I buy a book, when I buy a shoes, I'm not limited to use that into like a very limited spectrum. I can use it just anywhere I want, the way I want. I can resell it where I want. Why should it be different into like the digital world? I think that's uh, the key underlying idea. And that technologies allows, and I hope like more and more actors in the space will embrace by using these open standards. And I I think we're already definitely seeing like being in sandbox, like having those collection of NFTs, most of them profile picture, becoming like avatars that can connect, socialize into a virtual world. And then use those as a gateway to access like special experience creating like a community-led world and environment is already very beneficial to those and hence it supports also economically the price because with nfts the digital asset on the blockchain you have this notion of digital scarcity as well what happens when a digital asset that is scarce actually has um, a growing amount of users who want to buy it because it has multiple utility and it's cool to use it across multiple places, while there is a lower uh, decreasing number of people who want to sell it because they also use it. Usually that drives the economics toward the value of that digital asset could increase. It's not guaranteed that all digital asset, all NFT will be valuable of some sort, but it opens new possibilities both creatively and economically that benefit the most to the creator of those assets. Because thanks to the decentralization and the um, transaction fee on the secondary market, the creator of those digital assets can earn up to ninety-five percent or hundred percent of the revenue from the content they sell rather than the typical seventy or fifty percent that we've seen before in the industry.
2: Because you know, if you run a, if you develop a game, I mean you're you're in the business digital content. I mean for I me mean, the analogy is like, you know, like a restaurant, your business selling food. If people start to bring their own food in your restaurant, you still would want to have like if you bring your bottle of wine, restaurant you have a corking fee. So, how does the the sharing of value happens in your opinion between the platform, you know, the the content that is created and the experience? You know that because, as you said, utilities, because I can do something cool with my content. So, so the the game, the game, you know, the people, the person who did the experience. So, how how do we share the You know, the goodness between the platform, you know, the experience creator and the content creator, in your opinion, how does, what's your vision there?
0: I think like definitely anyone should benefit. Like there is really nothing to lose to actually decentralize your content and give player ownership to player. We call it like player-owned economies. It can be only the assets, can be the whole economy of it. If I'm a crea- uh, an experienced creator, I define the rules of the game, the gameplay of the game, and I can s- define if I want or I don't want to enable that interoperability. Like right now, interoperability is not, um, it, it's still an on-demand kind of process where every developer or experienced creator has to build for it, has to work for a new representation or a new utility for the external asset that he wants to support to integrate. And what's the benefit? There is a trade-off, like there is a trade-off between uh, selling my own content right away. Maybe that can be useful and you will generate a certain amount of revenue or, and, or so it's not one of the other, by the way, it's a multiple option. And also like uh, offering to external holders, which I know because I, we can see on their wallet that they have certain NFTs, they fit my profile, they own a certain amount of cryptocurrency, all of that is being transparent. I want to attract to my game, so I'm going to offer them utility. It's a lot about also the mindset of like giving value to the user rather than trying to extract value right from the beginning. That also, I think, changed a lot between an uh, open metaverse and the more traditional virtual world. we by reutilizing other external content, we're finally, like, avoiding this content treadmill that's been driving for so long the video game industry as well, and where developers only think, like, I need to sell new content to keep making revenue. That don't think that's a sustainable model. It's, it's mostly, like, like telling users, buy this, use it one week, one month, and then get rid right of it, because even myself as a developer, I'm not going to give you more utility or value or use case for it. Whereas if you agree from the beginning that you have scarce digital assets and with uh, the overall Web3 community you want to attract users and increase value for their older assets, you're definitely changing your mindset as well and optimizing for uh, like earning through the secondary transaction that derive as a percentage of the price that two users are changing with each other, uh, those NFT. And if the price rise, if the value rise, the percentage you earn as a developer also increase. And very often you earn more through the secondary transaction because the value of the item has increased over time through the demand you created, through the utility you provided, than the initial uh, cost at which you sell. So it's also beneficial for you as a creator to add utility and grow the value of those assets for your users.
1: Yeah, I think that secondary sales still benefiting the original creators is very attractive. And by the way, that was the first time I've ever heard the phrase uh, content treadmill. And I, I think that that's really great. And that's something that you know we're, we're hoping the metaverse helps, helps solve by empowering so many creators. So Sebastian, as, as I said, I'm, I'm a total novice in this area. So I wanted to ask you a 101 question. So I read with, the Sandblock, with, with Sandbox that the blockchain part happens behind the scenes, powering the Play to earn potential to earn revenue while having fun. Can you explain to us what play to earn means and the various ways that players can make money on your platform?
0: Absolutely. And we like to use the terminology play and earn those days more than play to earn because like, it's really opening the possibility as rewarding users for uh, their engagement and activities rather than giving just the only goal of playing to earn and not enjoying having fun, etc. In the case of Sandbox, play and earn actually covers so many different activities because Sandbox is a, a UGC platform. So on one hand, you have all the creator economy by spending time and using your skills to create 3D asset or experiences and selling them on the marketplace, you already can earn a revenue. So deriving an activity, a revenue from that activity. But what's new and what most players in the world are not yet familiar with is this idea of also like now that you're engaging and spending time in games where like through your actions, like completing quests or being present to a social event, dancing with others, etc. You earn a, a rewards, which are tokens on the blockchain, whether they are NFTs or they are actual uh, cryptocurrencies. Those tokens can be traded, uh, can be transferred to other users, can be sold on the marketplace, and again, a revenue can be derived. So in a way, by spending time, not just being the best player in the world like we've seen in sport, but just being a regular player, completing your mission on a daily basis, or so what, you accumulate rewards that have a potential value if you sell them, so you you can derive that revenue source. And the kind of activities you will see in the play to earn uh, and the metaverse will be, so diverse like you can attend a virtual concert and earn a reward you can actually uh, uh learn and uh, like we are already seeing a lot of education around like people using the sandbox as an educative tools to create to teach new skills um, we're also seeing like art galleries museums dance club etc so i i feel in a way it's a great uh, approach to finally also make people realize like the time they spend into game, they are still can enjoy, they can have fun, etc. But it's also considered as value because, and why is it valuable? Because like you do not want to enter a virtual world where, which is empty, where there's literally nobody, no other users. So your single presence makes that world more compelling already into a multiplayer game. And I feel it's natural that creators reward their users for that presence in the form of NFTs.
2: Well, thank you, Sebastian. I mean, that, that, that's fascinating because, you know, we look at, uh, you know, we look at the current web platform where, you know, users are passive, a judgmental, you know, you watch stuff and you say like, dislike. So, so what I understand here is that, you know, we, we always say the metaverse is going to be a place when you're actively engaged into the world and it's, it's, it's participative. So that's kind of the, because one of the, the problem with the current platform is people spy on you to try to push advertising that you don't want. Right. So is that, you know, rewarding engagement an an alternative uh, for the fundamental economics of the platform to make sure that, you know, we don't have to do all of the data collection and all of that, uh, you know, observation of behaviors to push advertising. Could this be an alternative to that, uh, for the advertising industry?
0: We really want to build the Metaverse as like an experiential place, not a transactional place at first. And that means like we're not, like everyone entering the Metaverse and getting experience should think first and foremost that let's be creative, like let's use those new possibilities of technology to build experiences that are not um, seen before and that not necessarily always like only revenue driven because we use that as an opportunity to engage with your fans, to be closer to them, and to drive value differently as well. Uh, there is no data collection because there's no— like, the data is actually owned by the users themselves through their wallet. Uh, they own their digital assets. They own their identities. They can take that content anytime they want uh, outside of the, the different games they use to play. Uh, And we do not want, and and again, the, the underneath approach of play and earn is very different. So we are no longer in a business model where indeed we only monetize, I don't know, 1%, 3% of the users, and we have to find ways to monetize all the rest. And to do that, we have to target them with advertisement. So to target them with advertisement, we have to actually uh, like track their behaviors. And so the platform ultimately ended up collecting data to sell that data to advertisers who will like try to lure users into downloading your app. And hence, it's bad for the developers because most of the revenue ends up back into spending on the platform to acquire users is bad for the user experience ultimately because frankly speaking um, 99% of people do not enjoy watching ads uh, which are being blattered to them and I think there's a much better approach and alternative that web free and community empowerment have so far shown us.
2: I mean that, that makes a lot of sense so so I, I know the, the the sandbox. Also, you've been uh, you've been building and selling virtual lands. So, and I saw people, companies, and even countries uh, buying virtual land. So, how do you how do you explain that? And how do you make this sustainable? Because anybody can create virtual land potentially. So, what's what's the what's the value right there for these people?
0: a very relevant question. Back to my definition, the metaverse will be a myriad of worlds. Those worlds will have maybe finite number of land or infinite number of land. So overall, consider there will be an infinite number of land that can be created by anybody. So how do you offer value when you are a world like Sandbox with only 166, 164 lands is by essentially, and our approach is like driving value for like the possibilities that those land enable you. We see ourselves as somehow the virtual Manhattan, the virtual Paris, the virtual Tokyo, Hong Kong, a place, metropolis, where there will be 24-7 entertainment for users um, who come and enter with their avatar. They can have fun, they can attend a virtual concert, they can learn, they can uh, visit an art gallery, a museum, go to a club, they will find some of their favorite brands and IP that we didn't touch so much, but Sandbox has brought already more than 300 big brands, including Adidas, Warner Music, Ubisoft, The Walking Dead, uh, Gucci, um, and numerous others. Global brand as well. Like we're very attached that no matter where you are in the world, there will be something—a brand that is relevant culturally for you. So we spend a lot of time to attract Japanese brand with Shibuya One Hundred Nine, Korean brand with Power Road, the Korean football league, and uh, SM Entertainment, which is one of the leading K-pop uh, label there. Um, but also uh, more local artists and so on. So by having this combination into a world and like suddenly you could become the virtual neighbor uh, of Snoop Dogg or like wherever you buy a land within a certain radius, there's always a lot of cool communities, etc. It feels like it's going to be a vibrant place where there's always something to do, to discover and like for people to enjoy. And that's mostly what we're trying to achieve here at Sandbox.
2: So you mentioned brands. So why would, why are brands coming to your platform? What do they
0: value? So I believe like brands are seeing what sandbox as a creative space where they can leverage our community and enable, enable through, um, like owning the land and, um, like offering to their community and official, official NFTs, allowing their fans to mix, to remix the content, uh, and. Expand the overall universe to warrant it. But they also use the possibility of having NFTs, some sort of like a ticket that can give access to even more VIP experiences to the older of those um, uh, virtual tickets, and also reward the user for their engagement. And, and again, back to this idea of play and earn. If, as a user, I choose to spend time in the land of a brand and I earn NFTs through that, I feel my time is being rewarded for that. And it creates a new, much closer relationship between fans uh, uh, or loyal users and brands. Typically, it was great with music artists, for example, or sport club, but also with uh, gaming brands as well.
2: Just can you give us an, uh, an order of magnitude of sure the size of your communities? How many people are on the sandbox? How, how are? What's the audience over there?
0: So, um, in March over uh, when we launched the first, the second alpha season, and keep in mind that sandbox is still a platform that is in beta stage. We actually have a fully launched to the public. We released like time-limited event called season during when users can enjoy experiences with avatar. Uh, and in March, we had about three hundred fifty thousand users uh, over the months that come with an avatar, engage, and earn rewards, uh, earn uh, token as well. Since we distributed over ten million sand token uh, by then, so. I know it's definitely small in comparison to uh, like the numbers we are seeing in traditional mobile and PC game, but we are building progressively that know-how, that uh, uh, education of users of what true ownership definitely means to them, and I'm um, very optimistic that we'll keep growing and uh, uh, reach towards more and more million of users over time.
2: Yeah, no, you have to start somewhere. I mean, it always takes time, right?
0: Yes, and when you think Web3, it's actually pretty big. We have more than 2.7, 2.8 million registered wallets, while there might be at most something like 100 million wallets of gamers in blockchain gaming. So that means Sandbox represents a significant part of them already. That's because like Sandbox adds value to all the projects into the ecosystem. That's also our approach of being open, like how any project Having a community can use a virtual world to give extra uh, ways to engage with their community while they still keep building their own core gameplay etc
1: so sebastian i was hoping to change gears a little bit i want to talk about the the tech industry has been a, a wild ride right if you look at most of last year you know the public market was booming there's a lot of m&a activity a lot of private investing uh, then more more recently, you know, the Nasdaq is in a bear market uh, and, and crypto hasn't been spared either. So, you know, we're curious if you think we're, we're seeing a crypto crash, uh, what you see ahead for Sandbox and, and crypto in, in general.
0: Well, blockchain and crypto at the end of the day is technology. And like most of the technology value over the Nasdaq have been, well, seeing a, a strong correction. So, like, it's kind of expected here that... Like, that makes no exception. However, I'm still, I've been building the sandbox using this blockchain technology already since the end of 2017. Back then, there was already what is called this winter in technology where the market overall and the tech value were not that high. And that allows, like, really to see, like, who are the people who are building a project, a game, a platform with a true vision to uh, provide something disruptive, and have that capacity of execution and build it for the right reason, like for really empowering their community and users toward a long-term uh, objective. Whereas, unfortunately, like in many other industries, like the actors who are like very short-sighted on their objective and are not able to deliver on their promise. We've seen those trends over, even in web one, on console, etc. like there's been projects that launch very fast, and also like disappear very fast and it's not good for the end users so it's not uncommon and i believe like over time because sandbox was built by a a very creative community of users because the tokens and other uh, incentive only came year or two years after we started building and gathering the community, that we have a solid ground here and people are really motivated by the value proposition of truly owning their creation, being able to interpret, to interoperate with other communities and create like a very creative space of expression where they interact with other with their avatar that's like we're onto something very big that's here to last hopefully for more than the next 10 years since we just celebrated yesterday our 10 years already
2: congratulations yes i agree with you i mean those cycles are they're good they're gonna shake shake things off and you know the people really delivering the value will survive and thrive through the those cycles so um sebastian it was fantastic thank you i think it really helped at least me and i, I hope uh, our folks to understand uh more about your world of, uh, of, of crypto gaming. So, um, you know, again, we're, pretty, we're noob on the topic. So is there any other topic that we should have discussed today and we did not?
0: I think uh, definitely one question that anyone might ask right now, like say, how can I try this? How do I access this? Like, like the simple answer is like basically just go to sandbox.game and create your avatar. Start playing, start discovering the kind of content, how you discover that culture of openness, like the fact that all brands come and mix each other and display content, not just from themselves, but from other uh, creators as well. Try out the creation tools. We made them as accessible as possible. So like... Voxel is like digital Legos. You do not need to read the user manual to get started and you can still make very amazing things. Game Maker, like you mentioned, Mark, your daughter is already able uh, to use it. And I cannot wait to see what she made of it. Um, and we're here to help as a community. Uh, we are fantastic uh, creators over uh, all the different usual channels, Twitch, YouTube, Discord, Twitter, and uh, Telegram to support your creativity and hopefully help you launch your own business or ideas and project in the metaverse.
1: Sebastian, just one last question for me. We were curious if there's uh, anyone or any organization you'd like to give a shout out to. Yeah.
0: Um, Actually, the president of the Blockchain Game Alliance as well. Um, it's an organization, non-profit, that uh, we started in 2018. It grew from eight member to over 300 members uh, today, including uh, not only uh the blockchain gaming companies but also much broader ecosystem of like marketplace investor and even traditional gaming company like square enix ubisoft uh, atari uh, and uh, many more um definitely want to give a shout out and for any developer or anyone just curious about like how can i start diving in the space learning and uh find support um or discover the next trends I invite them to join the Blockchain Game Alliance as we keep educating the overall video game industry towards the possibilities that the technology provides. Because at the end of the day, the technology is neutral. like It's what developers are going to make of it that will prove that technology is overall beneficial to all the users or it was used with the wrong intention and, and, and definitely wasn't useful for them.
2: Well, Sébastien, merci beaucoup. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been uh, highly uh, informative and, uh, and educative. So I'm sure our uh, folks listening will um, will enjoy that uh, that episode. So to, to everybody who's listening, thank you so much. Uh, keep sending us your feedback. Uh, keep telling us what you like, don't like. Uh, hit us on social. And uh, again, Sebastian, thanks for being with us today.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Patrick.
1: No, I feel like I learned a lot, Sebastian. I think our our community is really going to enjoy learning from you on this episode.
2: Thank you, Sebastian. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode of Building the Open Metaverse.
1: Bye-bye.